And you'll turn in your Bible with me to Mark at chapter 8 as we continue our study in the Gospel of Mark and continuing our study through the 8th chapter. We'll be in chapter 8 for a while yet. Mark chapter 8, this morning verses 22 through 26. This is the Word of God. And they came to Bethsaida, that is Jesus and the twelve. They came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to Jesus and implored him to touch him. And taking the blind man by the hand, he brought him out of the village. And after spitting on his eyes and laying his hands on him, he asked him, Do you see anything? And he looked up and said, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. And again, he laid his hands on his eyes, and he looked intently and was restored and began to see everything clearly. And he sent him to his home, saying, Do not even enter the village. And that is God's word. Again, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for another time together in your holy, inerrant, inspired word. Father, we take this privilege for granted so often without failing to realize that we are studying the word of the living God, the true God, the only God, the sovereign God, the holy God. Father, may your word be real to us today. And as we examine this particular event in the life of Jesus, I pray that you would illumine us to understand it and its meaning for our hearts and our lives today. And we give you all the praise and the glory and the thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I don't remember much about my, the first time I lived in Meridian. Many of you know that I was born here. My father was the pastor of the Jones Memorial Presbyterian Church down near Highland Park. He served that church for nine years, a long time ago. I was born during that pastorate here in Meridian. We moved away, however, when I was five years old. Now, I'd imagine that most of you can't remember much that happened in your life before you were five. I know I certainly can't. I only have a few memories of uh, those early days in Meridian. I do remember a couple of things. I remember uh, catching crickets in the backyard while my father mowed the grass. You know, it's interesting. I've ridden by that house since, and that yard's a lot smaller today than it was <laughs> 60 years ago. I can remember slipping on the, on the wet front steps one Sunday afternoon when I did something my mother told me not to do and split my lip open. Maybe I remember that because I still bear the scar today. But most of, one of the most vivid memories I have of my early days in Meridian is a man named Frank Jenkins. Frank was a man my father befriended. He lived in the East Mississippi, East Mississippi State Hospital where my father did some chaplaincy work back then. He and Frank became friends. 
my parents would see that he got to church. They would invite him into our home for meals. You see, Frank Jenkins was blind. He had a stick that he used to try to maneuver his way around and get to one place to another. He was dependent on other people to take him by the arm and lead him where he needed to go. I guess I remember Frank because he was so different from everyone else in my life at that time. He was a helpless individual, uh, not able to live on his own. That's why he was in the hospital. Wasn't able to tend to himself, wasn't able to act independently. He depended on others to take care of him. Now, the connection is that the man that Jesus encountered in our text this morning was also blind. And just like Frank, he was helpless, had to be led where he needed to go, had to have others who would look out for him. Now, it's interesting, Mark is the only gospel writer who includes this particular event in the life of Jesus. It's only five verses, but it tells a wonderful story. It tells us some wonderful things about Jesus, and it gives us some wonderful truths about our salvation. I want to do two things this morning. First, I just want to look at the story itself and see what happened in the text, and then we're going to try to draw some lessons and applications from what we find here. So first this morning, what happened here in this particular text? As we've seen, Jesus at this time was spending most of his time in and around the Sea of Galilee. We are still in what is known as Jesus' the great Galilean ministry, a period of about 13 months where Jesus spent uh, his time in Galilee, around the Sea of Galilee. He would uh, travel from one side to the other and then back again. Already in, in Mark 8, he's gone across and back twice. Now he's in the northern part, northern shore of the Sea of Galilee, if you will, in a, a small fish, fishing village called, village called Bethset, Bethsaida. Well, it was here that a group of people brought their blind friend to Jesus. Now, we don't know much about this man. We don't know why he was blind, what caused it. We don't know how long he was blind, had been blind. We don't know anything about his family, uh, those who took care of him. All we know is what we find in the text in verse 22 where it says, they brought a blind man to Jesus. And it says they implored him to touch him. Now, we don't even know who the they are. We don't know who they are who brought this blind man to Jesus. But they brought him and they did what a lot of people were doing in those days. They asked Jesus to help him. Actually, they did more than that. The text says they implored him. To implore means to beg or to beseech, to ask earnestly. And they, what, what they begged Jesus to do was to touch him. See, those who saw and witnessed and experienced Jesus' ministry had begun to equate Jesus' touch with healing. They didn't understand why, but they understood what. If Jesus touches you, something good happens. And so they brought their friend to Jesus, and they begged Jesus to touch him. Well, Jesus did touch him, but he did it in his own way. Verse 23 tells us that he took the blind man by the hand, and he brought him out of the village. That is, he, he took the blind man by the hand, 
and he led him away, apparently, from those who had brought him out of the village where they would be by themselves. We assume, don't know for sure, but we assume, I assume, the 12 accompanied Jesus and the man because they accompanied Jesus everywhere he went. Now, we've seen Jesus do this with individuals before, kind of take them off by themselves to perform a miracle on them. Now, there's been a lot of speculation as to why Jesus did that. Was it because Jesus didn't want to, to cause a commotion and a stir in the crowd, so he went off by, by himself? Was it because of his concern for this man, his own dignity, taking him away by himself to perform this miracle on him? Was it for the twelve? Because he wanted to have a, a teachable moment with them as he performed this miracle on this man. Really, really don't know. It really doesn't matter. My own assessment is it's a little bit of all three. Jesus didn't want to cause a stir at this particular time in his ministry. He was concerned about this man's dignity and as he was the dignity of all those to whom he ministered. And, and he did want to have a teachable moment, I think, for the 12 as he healed this particular man. So anyway, Jesus took the man by the hand and he led him out of the village. And once there, the Bible says he did a very strange thing. That is, he spit. He spit on the man's eyes. Now, I referred to that a couple of weeks ago when we were back in chapter 7, and Jesus did a similar thing. There was a man who was deaf, a man who could not speak clearly. And you might remember that Jesus, in healing this man, spit on his finger. Then he touched the man's tongue with the saliva that was on his finger. Well, here Jesus doesn't use his finger. He just spits directly into the man's eyes. Now, no one knows exactly why Jesus did that. It is a bit odd. And we would say it's even a bit bizarre. But that's the way Jesus chose to deal with this man. I don't think there's anything significant about the saliva. I don't think there's anything significant about the act of Jesus spitting on his eyes, except to show that Jesus does things in his own way, in his own timing, and that this healing that was about to take place was all result of his power and nothing else. And so Jesus did spit on the man's eyes, and then he laid his hands on him. I'm assuming from the context, he laid his hands on the man's eyes. And then he asked the question of the man, End of verse 23, do you see anything? Now, I don't doubt for a moment that Jesus knew the answer to the question. Jesus is not looking for information here. He, he wants the man to articulate what he's experiencing. He wants the man to articulate what he is seeing, to verbalize it. And he wanted, I think, also, it's not said, but I think he wanted the disciples to hear it. The question was, do you see anything? And the man said in verse 24, I see men, for I see them like trees walking around. Now, some have taken that to mean that the man was not, had not been blind from birth because he knew the image of a human figure. He could recognize a tree. Now, how much credence we give, can give to that, I don't know. But be that as it may, it's clear the man at this point could see. 
but he could not see clearly. I see men, but I see them, they look like trees walking about. And so, the text says, Jesus laid his hands on him again, verse 25. Laid his hands on his eyes, it says specifically there. And this time, his sight was completely restored. The man looked intently, he gazed, and he could see everything clearly. And what an amazing experience that must have been for this man. Now, we don't know, again, how long he'd been blind. I'm assuming it had been for quite some time anyway, if not from birth. He'd not been able to see anything at all. He'd been living essentially in total darkness. But then Jesus touched him, spit on his eyes, and he could begin to see. Began to see some things, but they weren't real clear. And then Jesus touched him again. And he could see everything clearly. I can only imagine the amazement of this man. The Lord has spared me from blindness so far. As many of you know, I've had issues with my eyes for a long time. I developed cataracts when I was in my 30s. And uh, they developed quickly. And my sight became quite impaired rather rapidly. And so I had cataract surgery years ago. Now, they have changed that surgery a lot in the last 25, 30 years, however long it's been. Um, but I can still remember, I had that surgery, and they put a patch on my eye. And I had to wear that patch for two or three days. I can still remember where I was when I took that patch off for the first time and began and noticed how much better I could see, how much brighter the colors were, how much sharper the images were, how vivid everything was around me. It was amazing. And this man experienced that multiple times over. He had been blind. His sight wasn't just impaired, it was non-existent. And here Jesus touches him, he heals him, and he can see everything clearly. Now, it's obvious the man didn't live in Bethsaida. He'd been brought there because Jesus, when he left him, told him in verse 26, he sent him to his home and said, do not even enter the village. We're not even sure he went back to get the people who brought him. She says, are you going home? Don't enter the village. Don't go back into Bethsaida. You just make your way on home. Well, that's the story. Simple story. One with a few odd things in it. But a powerful story. About the life-changing work of Jesus. And it's with every person Jesus touched. His life was never the same again. Well, in the second place this morning, what lessons can we draw from this story? You know, a preacher always has to be careful when he deals with any text. You know, Paul admonished Timothy, who was still a young minister at the time, with these words, be diligent, be diligent to prove yourself a workman who does not need to be ashamed, accurately handling the word of truth. 
Folks, that's a responsibility laid upon all of us who either preach from the pulpit, who teach in a classroom. We're to be diligent to make sure that we handle the word of truth accurately. Now, the danger we all face is to read too much into a particular text, make the text say something it really doesn't say, or impose our own ideas upon a text instead of just taking from the text what we find in it. Now, I always want to handle the word of truth accurately. And God will hold me accountable. He will hold anyone who stands before this pulpit accountable. He will hold anyone who teaches a class accountable for the degree to which we do that. That's why James says, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. And so I I don't take this responsibility lightly. I do try to take care in how I handle God's Word. And I say all that this morning because, you can probably anticipate it, I'm about to take something from the text that's not necessarily in the text. It's there, I think, by implication. It's there definitely within the context of the whole of Scripture. But it's not in the text itself. And I get a little nervous doing that sometimes. And the step I'm about to take is from the physical to the spiritual. From Jesus healing this blindness of this man's eyes to Jesus healing the blindness of our hearts. Mark, as he tells this story, it's clear, doesn't make that application. But I'm about to make it. I'm about to do so because the analogy of Scripture is so clear and so profound. The Bible says that apart from Christ, we are all spiritually blind. We are just as helpless spiritually as this man was physically. Just as he could not see where to go in his daily physical life, so we cannot see where to go, what to do spiritually. We live, apart from Christ, we live in spiritual darkness. That's the message of the Old Testament. Uh, Isaiah described unbelievers as walking in darkness. He said, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. Psalm 82 says of unbelievers, they do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. Proverbs 4.19 says, the way of the wicked is darkness. They do not know over what they stumble. And the New Testament carries out that theme. You know, Jesus described himself, those who were unbelievers, who did not follow him, as those walking in darkness. He said, I came into the world so that those who do not see may see. When when Paul was giving his testimony to Agrippa, he said God sent him out with the gospel to preach the gospel, to open their eyes that they might turn from darkness to light. Paul also said that the God of this world is blinded the minds of the unbelieving, so they might not see the light of the gospel. 
and the believers, he said, are, are darkened in their understanding. They live in the, in the domain of darkness, Paul said. So, so it's really not such a, a, a great leap, is it? To move from the physical to the spiritual. The analogy of Scripture is clear. Just as this man was blind physically, so people apart from Christ are blind spiritually. The unbeliever walks in darkness. He cannot see the truth of the gospel. He's blind to the glory of Christ. And so he wanders helplessly through life, not knowing where to go or how to find eternal life. And that helps us understand, doesn't it? The plight of the unbeliever. He is living in darkness. He cannot see. And this blind man brought to Jesus would never have been able to see if Jesus had not done something for him, if Jesus had not reached out and touched him and healed him. And that's the way it is with every unbeliever, everyone apart from Christ, unless Jesus touches you, unless Jesus opens your eyes to be able to see, you'll continue to walk in darkness. I want you to understand that what a desperate situation that is. Someone who's living in darkness is helpless. Living in darkness is a difficult situation. You know, Frank Jenkins depended on other people to get him where he needed to go. This blind man in text, he had to be led by his friends to Jesus. And that again is the way all of us are spiritually. And now, Jesus healed this man in, in a very strange way, didn't he? Wouldn't you say spitting on the man's eyes is a bit, bit peculiar? But don't you know that man was thankful for that saliva on his eyes because it represented the power of Jesus to heal him, to open his eyes so he could see. Folks, Jesus is our only hope for escaping the blindness that encircles us. That's why Jesus came. Oh, turn with me to Luke chapter 4 for a moment. Luke 4 is one of my favorite portions of the gospel. See, Jesus was in the synagogue one day, and as often happened, he was given the privilege of reading the scriptures, given the scroll. This particular day, he was given the scroll of Isaiah. And he read a passage and he applied it to himself. Let's start in verse 16. And he, that is Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And as was his custom, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up to read. And the book of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. And he opened the book and found the place where, where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him, and they began to say, he began to say, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled. In your hearing, 
Yes, Jesus came. He said of himself to provide recovery of sight to the blind. Paul says in Colossians 1 that Jesus rescued us from the domain of darkness. If you turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4 for just one second. Second Corinthians four and verse six. We read this for God who said light shall come out of darkness is the one who has shown in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's why the Bible says Jesus is the light of the world. Unless Jesus opens our eyes, we cannot see. Unless Jesus grants us the ability to see, we continue to live and walk in darkness. Jesus touches our eyes spiritually, and we begin to see and understand spiritual truth. However, isn't it true of you I know it's true of me. When then Jesus opened my eyes, I didn't see everything clearly. Look, I still don't see everything clearly. Many of you know that. You've asked me questions before, and I say, I don't know. I don't know. You know, Paul called that in 1 Corinthians 13, looking through a glass darkly. Now one day, we're going to see everything clearly. Today, we don't see it that way. Today, let's be honest, it's as though we saw men like trees walking. Why did Jesus heal this man in stages? I haven't done an exhaustive Surge, but I think, I think it's pretty close to being 100% that every other time Jesus healed someone, the healing was instantaneous, complete, automatic. Here Jesus spits on the man's eyes, touches them, and he says, what do you see? He says, I see men, but I see them like trees. They're like trees walking around. And so Jesus touched him again. And then he would begin to see everything clearly. That's why I believe in my heart that the 12 were there with Jesus. Let's keep it in its context. Last Sunday when we looked at the previous passage in Mark chapter 8. Remember that the, the title of my, question, my sermon last Sunday was, Do You Get It? And my point was, the disciples, the twelve, they didn't get it. After all they'd seen Jesus do, after all they'd heard Jesus say, they didn't get it. The Pharisees didn't get it either, but the disciples didn't get it. Look at the verse 21, the verse right before where we started this morning. Jesus was saying to his disciples, do you not yet understand? And then immediately after that, the next thing he does, he heals this blind man in stages. Touches his eyes, 
says, what do you see? He says, well, I see, but I see, I see men like trees walking about. And then he touched them again and he could see things clearly. I think part of the reason Jesus did that was to, to encourage the 12 to reassure them. Clear spiritual insight doesn't come automatically. It comes over time. Look, we don't see it all clearly. That's why every time we open the Bible and we begin to teach it or we begin to preach from it, what do we do? We pray. And what do we pray for? What kind of prayer is it? It's a prayer of enlightenment. God, help me to see. Help me to understand. Give me clear sight. It's kind of like the, the, the man Jesus dealt with who said, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. We say, I see, I see, but I don't see clearly. I see, and it's like men. They're like trees walking about. Oh, God, help me to see the men clearly. Help me to see the truth as it is. And Jesus is reassuring his disciples, even though they don't understand fully now, they will one day fully understand. And their spiritual sight will be perfect. And it may not happen in this life. It won't happen in this life. But one day, folks... One day we'll see. We'll see clearly. And all the things we didn't understand here, we'll understand there. And we'll know how God's providence worked all things together for good and for his glory. Jesus healed a blind man. Oh, I know he healed healed the blind man in Mark 8. But you know what? Jesus healed a blind man. Jesus healed me. He touched me and enabled me to see. And I'm still trying to see clearly, more clearly every day. The same is true with you. If you see this morning, if you're a believer today, if you understand the realities of the gospel, if you trusted Christ for your salvation, it's because of one reason, Jesus touched you, enabled you to see in every day. He is sharpening that focus that you might see him and his truth more and more clearly. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word. We thank you for its truth, its power, its conviction. And I pray that all of us today would glorify and honor the Lord Jesus if we can see because he enabled us to see. And if there are any here who are still walking about in darkness who haven't been able to see, I pray that you would open their eyes and they'd be amazed at the difference it makes in their lives. And may help all of us to see more clearly every day, anticipating that great day when we'll see you face to face. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.